This is the Retirement Detective Podcast, where we dive into cases with Philip Mock, chartered financial analyst and certified financial planner professional, to solve common retirement and financial planning questions. Get insight into how to solve quandaries that appear on the path to and through retirement, ideas on how to approach savings and investing for retirement, and how to plan for retirement in a tax-efficient manner. Now, here's your host and lead retirement detective, Philip Mock. Welcome to the show. My name is Philip Mock. I'm your host today. And today we're talking about the case of the confusing IRAs. We've got regular IRAs. We've got Roth IRAs, simple IRAs, SEP IRAs, contributory IRAs, rollover IRAs. What are the differences? How do I know which one to use when? What are the features of each one? When can I not use one or the other? We're going to open the case and dive into it all right now. The IRS sure loves acronyms, and retirement accounts are really no different. We've got IRAs, which stands for Individual Retirement Accounts, but then we've also got 401ks, 403bs, which are have to do with the section of the code law that they reference. Um, that's where those numbers come from. But really, today, we're focusing on the different types of IRAs, and there's a bunch of them. So today, we're going to focus on four, the traditional IRA the Roth IRA, the Simple IRA, and the SEP IRA, which are, in my experience, the most common. There are some other obscure ones like the SARSEP IRA, which is an older type that after, I believe, 1997, you cannot even establish that one anymore. So we're really talking about these four, which are the four most common ones. So in all of these, they're really just vehicles to save for retirement. They're, you know, confusing in the sense that there's some differences between them, differences on strategy in terms of when you'd want to use one over the other, but ultimately they're just there to save for retirement. They have some features in common, like, for instance, if you have money invested in any of these IRA types, you avoid tax while it's in the account on capital gains and dividends and interest. So basically it grows tax-free, but there are tax consequences depending on the account type, either at the time it's contributed into the account or later in the future when it's withdrawn. And that's different than a traditional brokerage account where you do have to pay capital gains tax potentially and dividends and interest income tax potentially while it grows. So that's one feature that they all share in common. But once you start diving into who can establish it, when can it be established, what are the contribution limits, is it pre-tax or post-tax, then you really start to dive into some differences. So I'm going to take those four. We've got the traditional IRA, the Roth IRA, the simple IRA, and the SEP IRA. I'm going to split those into two pairs. So we're going to talk about traditional IRAs and Roth IRAs first, then simple and SEP IRAs next. And the reason I want to separate those into two groups is that the traditional and Roth IRAs are IRAs that anybody, as long as they meet the uh, contribution limits, can contribute to those. A simple and SEP IRA are actually 
retirement vehicles related to an employer. So those are not, you can't just say, oh, I think I'll establish a simple IRA today. You have to work for someone that has a simple IRA as their form of retirement plan for their employees, or you have to be the employer and choose to establish a simple IRA and then same thing for the SEP IRA. So let's look at the two personal types of IRAs first. So a traditional IRA is a pre-tax vehicle to save for retirement. That's, that's really all it is. And you establish it at a brokerage. Some banks allow you to establish an IRA as well. You open the account, you either contribute money to it or you roll money from another plan into it. And we'll talk about what that means in a minute. And you can start saving for retirement. And like I mentioned earlier, there's some benefits to doing this. And the principal one is that while you're in the mode of saving for retirement, you don't have to pay tax on the capital gains and dividends and interest that occur inside the account while it's growing. So that's that's a, a really nice benefit over just establishing a regular taxable account to either save in or invest in. The main difference between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA is when the money's taxed. So the money's not taxed while it grows, like we talked about, but every dollar of income gets taxed eventually. It's just sort of a tenet of tax law and tax understanding is that in general, every dollar gets taxed at some point. So with a traditional IRA, it's usually referred to as a pre-tax account. So you take money that you've received that has not been taxed yet in, in many cases, there are exceptions, we'll talk about that, and you deposit it into the IRA and it grows and a, a great case for this is if you had a 401k account at an employer that was a pre-tax 401k. So your employer paid you money and you took part of that income and put it into a 401k. And then at some point in the future, you either retire or leave. You make the choice to take that 401k amount and roll it into an IRA. That money's never been taxed by you or for you. So the, the money that's in that account came from the employer directly. It was not part of your taxable income. It went into the 401k and then it went into the IRA and it's still never been taxed. So with a pre-tax traditional IRA, therefore the money is taxed when you take it out. So when you make a withdrawal from that account in the future, that money is taxable income. It goes on your tax return sort of like payroll might. So to put some numbers around this in a hypothetical example, let's assume that you had an income of $250,000 and you saved $10,000 in a, a 401k account at your employer. So on your tax return that year, in a very simplistic manner, your taxable income would be $240,000 because 10 of that 250 went into the 401k. And let's assume that the very next year you retire and you want to start taking money out of your 401k account and you want to roll it to an IRA and let's just assume it hasn't grown. So it's still $10,000. So now in that year, 
let's assume that you roll it to an IRA, which you wouldn't actually have to do that. Uh, you could also take the money just directly out of the 401k. But let's assume for this discussion that you roll it from a 401k to a traditional IRA, and then you're of the age that you're able to start taking the money out uh, without penalty, which is age 59 and a half. And so let's say you're age 65. So you withdraw money out of the IRA, and let's say you take out $5,000. And let's say you have no other taxable income sources that year. So in that year that you took money out of the IRA, you have on your tax return that you had $5,000 of IRA distributions as ordinary income, and you pay tax on that. So you didn't pay tax on any part of that money when it went into the account from the employer, but you paid tax on it when you took it out. Let's do an example with a Roth IRA. Let's assume that you have a salary of $75,000. You're going to take some money and have to pay taxes on that, unfortunately. So your take-home pay is, let's say, for simplicity, $50,000. So your salary is $75,000, your take-home pay is $50,000, and you take 5,000 of the 50 and contribute it to a Roth IRA. The very next year, you decide to quit and retire, and now you have $5,000 in a Roth IRA. You withdraw it, and on your tax return, you show no income from that, because that money was already taxed when you received it as salary. So in the prior year, you had a salary of 75, you, after taxes and whatnot, you took home $50,000, and of the 50, you took five after you paid tax and put it into a Roth IRA. That money's already been taxed. So when you put it into an, a Roth IRA, it's already been taxed, and so you don't have to pay tax on it again when you take it out. That's the principal difference between a traditional and a Roth IRA is whether or not the money's taxed before it goes in or when it comes out. Structurally, while they're sitting there growing, there's really not much difference. There's, you know, you don't have to report anything on your tax return as long as you don't contribute or take anything out of either one in a given year. If they're just sitting there growing, there's really no tax impact. The Roth IRA also has some neat um, estate planning features, which we'll talk about in another episode. But for now, the, the main thing to remember between the two is that you've got very different um, taxability timing. So one is taxed when it goes in, one is taxed when it comes out. The traditional IRA is a little nuanced too because it's often in terminology broken into two further sub account types, which they're really not different, but they're often labeled differently by practitioners. So the traditional IRA is sometimes broken out into a contributory IRA and a rollover IRA. They're really the same thing, but some people like to track uh, differently their contributions when they're able to make contributions into a contributory IRA versus money that they've rolled from an employer into a rollover IRA. You don't have to separate them, but if you have post-tax contributions, it's not a bad idea. 
So what are post-tax contributions? So with an IRA, when you make contributions, you have a couple of limitations to consider. So one, there's a an overarching universal contribution limit that you cannot contribute, at least in 2023, you cannot contribute more than $6,500. And if you're age 50 or older, that limit increases to $7,500 in a year. But you also cannot contribute more than your taxable compensation for the year. So if you make actually less than those two numbers, you would not be able to contribute more than what your compensation is. The one thing that I would encourage you to consider also is that the traditional IRA has deductibility characteristics. So if you're below certain income thresholds and there are a few other things to consider based on whether or not you're covered by a retirement plan at work, which we'll cover in a separate episode, um, you may be able to deduct that IRA contribution on your tax return, but you may not. So if you're above the income limit and you contribute, or like I said, there's a nuance with how you and your spouse are covered by retirement plans at work, it may be that you can contribute to the account, but it's just not deductible. That's where the contributory IRA is really nice. If you have after tax, so in other words, you put in money um, after tax, but it was not deductible, and you put that in a contributory IRA, it's kind of nice for your accountant, and if you do your own taxes, to have all of those after tax, but not deducted traditional IRA contributions in one account. It's handy. And the why it's handy is beyond the scope of this episode, but it's a, it's not a bad thing to do. Now I will say if you have other IRAs, um, having multiple IRAs can um, make Roth conversions, backdoor Roth, et cetera, a little more challenging. So I mean, everything has its pros and cons, but the rollover IRA is usually just as it sounds. It's it's an IRA established to capture the assets from a rollover. So let's say you had a 401k account or 403b account from your employer at work, and you decide for one reason or another to roll that to a retirement account, you would establish a traditional IRA or aka a rollover IRA to receive those assets and then you invest them and save. So that's really the main difference between those two. There are um, obviously a lot of quirks about the timing of contributions as you get older. Um, the other thing that's really important to know between the two is that regular IRAs have required minimum distributions, Roth IRAs do not. So on a traditional IRA, you can save and save and save, but once you reach a certain age, the government and the IRS require you to begin taking money out. Historically, it's been 70 and a half, and then in 2019, uh, the government passed the SECURE Act, which was an acronym for Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement. And the SECURE Act changed the age to 72. And then we recently, at the end of 2022, in late December, had a law passed that was dubbed SECURE 2.0 because it amended and updated a number of the provisions that were created in the 2019 Act. So... Now, for those born between uh, age 19, or yeah, for those born in years 1951 to 1959, the RMD age has been pushed back to age 73. 
and those born 1960 or after the RMD age has been pushed back to age 75. So when you hit those ages, depending on what year you were born, you are required to begin taking the money out. How much do you have to take out? It's a fraction and there's a table that establishes what that dollar amount is and each year the denominator gets a little smaller, which means that the fraction gets a little bit bigger in terms of how much you have to take out. You, most people never reach the age where you'd have to take out, you know, more than half for instance, but it does get progressively bigger over time. Off the top of my head, I believe the very first RMD works out to about four to four and a half percent of the account. Um, I don't have that right in front of me. That's just off of memory, but it's, it grows a little bit each year. There are penalties if you don't do it, and we'll talk about RMDs in depth in another episode, but the big difference between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA is that with a Roth IRA, you do not have a required minimum distribution. So once you reach those ages and you have a Roth IRA, you can just keep saving. So for a lot of people, when they're doing tax planning for retirement, the Roth IRA kind of ends up being the last money that they ever plan to spend, which is partly why it ends up being a great estate planning vehicle. Let's switch and talk about the two employer IRA types I talked about. So we've got the simple IRA and the SEP IRA. They're both plans established by employers. So you either have to work for somebody or you have to be a business owner yourself to establish either one. So let's talk about the SEP IRA first. So a SEP IRA is a simplified employee pension IRA and it's usually written SEP hyphen IRA and it is an IRA in the sense that it structurally looks very similar to a traditional IRA. You establish it at a brokerage. Um, but beyond that, we, we really kind of have some serious differences. So an I, a SEP IRA is established by the employer. As I mentioned, each employee that qualifies has an account as well as the employer person. So let's say Bob owns a hardware store and he establishes a SEP IRA then for his two employees, Bob would have a SEP IRA account and then his two employees would have a SEP IRA account as well. So everybody has an account. And the nice thing about a SEP compared to a 401k, for instance, is that it's a lot cheaper to set up. Um, the administrative costs are usually pretty low. Um, you have some flexibility with contributions, which can actually be a pro and a con. Um, but a SEP IRA is a good option for a small business, as is a simple IRA, but there's some really important differences. So the biggest difference with a SEP IRA compared to a simple IRA, and also to some degree compared to the traditional IRA, is a SEP IRA potentially has much larger contribution limits. So for a SEP IRA, you can contribute up to um, much higher limits than what you can with a traditional IRA. For 2023, the SEP IRA contribution limit is $66,000 or 25% of the uh, adjusted net earnings if you're self-employed or 25% of net income, whichever's less. So that's could be significantly more than what the IRA contribution limit is. So if you're a solo business owner 
and you are the only employee, a SEP can be a really great option because it permits you to contribute more than you could with a traditional IRA, more than you could potentially with a 401k because of that higher $66,000 contribution limit, assuming that 25% of your net is at least that much. If 25% of your net is $2,000, then that's not as good as what a traditional IRA would be. The other thing to keep in mind with a SEP IRA is that you have to contribute equally for all the employees that are eligible to participate in the SEP IRA. And this is the principal downside of a SEP IRA. So if you're a small employer and you're the only employee, it's just you, that doesn't matter. But as soon as you hire somebody else, now you have to take into consideration the fact that whatever you elect to contribute, you have to contribute for them too. So let's say you do the math and your accountant tells you that you're able to make a contribution of $10,000. Well, you'd have to make that contribution for your SEP IRA and the employer employee's SEP IRA as well, which could get expensive depending on, you know, how many employees you have. So SEP IRAs are great for um, when a, a single person is the only employee, or maybe it's an employee and their spouse are the two employees. Once you start having other employees, it gets a little more complicated. The other thing to note on a SEP IRA is that the employer is the only one that can make a contribution. Um, the uh, participants, the employees cannot contribute. Um, you also cannot have loans from a SEP IRA, which is different than a 401k. Most 401k plans, participants can borrow from the plan up to certain limits. Let's switch and talk about the simple IRA. So simple IRA is another acronym. Simple stands for savings incentive match plan for employees. And it's usually written as the acronym simple capitalized IRA. And again, it's structurally just like a traditional IRA, but it's a little different than the SEP. It's also geared towards small businesses. In fact, it has to be a small business. You can only establish a simple IRA if you have 100 or fewer employees. Compared to the SEP IRA, the paperwork to set this one up is actually even more simple than the SEP IRA, no pun intended. Um, it's probably, for an employer, the easiest type of retirement plan to establish, but it comes at a cost. The employer contribution limits are much, much lower. So um, the employer is required to contribute to the plan each year. They cannot have any other retirement plan and they must match, have a matching contribution up to 3% of compensation or a 2% non-elective. So what does that mean? So if a employee wants, or if an employer wants to do the 3% matching, what that means is employees can contribute up to 3% of their uh, compensation uh, and to have the match. Um, so if, you know, for instance, an employee contributes $1,000 to the plan and that happens to be 3%, then the employer would also contribute $1,000 to that account for that employee. But 
if the employee wanted to contribute more than 3%, then there would be no additional match after that. The alternative is that uh, instead of the employer being required to match up to 3%, the employer can do what's called a 2% non-elective contribution, which means that if even if the employee doesn't contribute, the employee would still receive a 2% contribution to their simple IRA um, up to or equal to 2% of their compensation up to this annual comp limit, which is a, another figure from the IRS, um, which currently is around $330,000. Um, also note that on a simple IRA, there's always 100% vesting. So whatever money's in a simple IRA, uh, an employee that leaves could roll out at any time without having um, any sort of vesting schedule. So simple IRAs are great for um, a small business that doesn't uh, want a lot of paperwork, wants something that's easy to establish and maintain. It's, quote, simple, which is where the acronym comes from. The ongoing maintenance is pretty um, pretty reasonable. There's a few forms to file, but um, it's, it's really... Um, it's really not that bad. There are some rules on uh, who can participate, how much compensation they'd have to earn, and and that sort of thing. But you want to talk to your accountant about that before establishing any of these. Um, the annual um, salary reduction contributions um, is limited to $15,500 um for 2023 and if you're over age 50 or excuse me 50 or over there's a $3,500 catch-up so the point is that with a simple IRA compared to a 401k or a SEP IRA the contribution max is much lower so to kind of wrap those two up the SEP IRA has potentially the greatest contribution limit, but you'd also have to contribute that amount equally to all of your employees, which could end up being quite a bit. So SEPs are a great option for uh, solo businesses or businesses with just the two spouses. Simple IRAs are easy to establish, pretty low overhead in terms of maintenance, but lower contribution limits and either required matching or required non-elective contributions. So in either case, the employer does have some obligation to contribute to these accounts if they're established, but the contribution limits are quite different. And then like we talked about the traditional IRA and Roth IRA are really have nothing to do with employers and they're more something that just an individual taxpayer may establish to either begin saving for retirement or to accept rollover dollars from another plan. Now, something outside the scope of this episode is um, the new SECURE Act, SECURE 2.0, has established that we, we can now have after-tax simple IRAs and after-tax SEP IRAs, which really increases the planning opportunities around those two. Historically, they've both been only pre-tax vehicles, but now they can be after-tax, which is interesting. And um, I think that'll really open up the possibilities. Now, there are lots of other types of retirement savings vehicles, but we're not going to go into those today. 
those are like 401ks, 403bs, 457 plans. So that's another case. But I hope that this was helpful for you, and I look forward to diving into the next case with you soon. Thanks, and we'll see you at the next episode. This recording strictly is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. Philip Mock is an owner of 1522 Financial LLC. 1522 Financial LLC is a registered investment advisor with its principal place of business in the state of Oklahoma. Registration of an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of 1522 Financial LLC. 1522 Financial LLC is not affiliated with any guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. 1522 Financial LLC does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. 1522 Financial LLC shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions, or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decisions. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services, and nothing in this podcast should be relied upon as rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services. Philip Mock is not a detective or law enforcement officer. Any reference to cases or case files is purely for entertainment purposes only.